This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. From deep inside the basement layer of the Matthew Recording Studios, (laughs) welcome back to another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew is my name, and thank you for tuning in. It is uh, really continuing to be a wintry time here in Northeast Ohio. Yours truly got the snow shovel out today after we had about anywhere between three and four inches of additional snow, wet and heavy. It was a good workout. So I'm thinking that maybe all of the workout I got shoveling today might indeed qualify for my Thursday workout. Maybe. But uh, it's just one of those times of the year where you just really never know what's going to happen. Uh, we could get a, a upper 50s degree day, which I think is actually in store a couple of days from now. However, before that, we're going to be dipping into the sing- single digits in the evening, and it's just that kind of time of the year. So, where we dream of spring, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training, but it just seems like opening day. And budding on the trees just seems like it's a far ways away. Like it's never going to happen. And as we all know, before you know it, there it is. I believe I probably have mentioned in previous podcasts that I was involved in a bicycle accident a couple of years ago. And If it sounds like I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but I've actually had a couple of shoulder surgeries, none of which have been very successful. What was successful, though, is the accounting departments at the various hospitals because (laughs) they want to get paid. And since yours truly and a number of other Americans simply don't have thousands of dollars of cash lying around that their health benefits won't cover, we're kind of stuck with the bill, whether or not that surgery is successful or not. So in order to combat that a little bit, I uh, have taken uh, a second job, a part-time job, an evening job, a weekend job, job number two, which really puts me smack dab in the middle of Millions of other Americans who have to do the same thing. And it's been challenging. It's been challenging from a time perspective. It's been challenging from an endurance perspective. Challenging a little bit trying to juggle with what I do for a living, which is employ myself as a audio, and sometimes a video content creator. And it also is challenging because this job has introduced me to really a new world and a world where I've participated fully as a customer most of my life and now on the other side. So I work in a restaurant and this restaurant is an Italian restaurant that isn't really a full-service restaurant, but it has within it 
a service that allows customers to pour their own beers. So I'm sure that I've probably mentioned this in the past. And my job technically is that I'm a tapologist. So I educate people about their beer choices. I suggest beers to them that might go with food. And overall, just make sure that they learn the basics of pouring their own beer. Our restaurant is really a self-serve restaurant. And while people from the kitchen will bring food out to customers, customers basically pour their own beer. They basically order their own food. Uh, Obviously, they eat their own food. And then uh, they leave. So it seems to be quite a success. And the restaurant I work for is a chain restaurant, meaning that it's a Cleveland-based company that has a variety of locations all around Northeast Ohio. This location that I work at is the only one with a wall of taps. And so it's been somewhat experimental for them. And it's certainly been experimental for me, joining the life group of those who work two jobs. And I did work as a bartender maybe 20 years ago. I took a course and everything. I was a mixologist. And I worked at several different bars, uh, really several different restaurants, one bar. And then, of course, I always wanted to be a radio broadcaster, so I realized that dream. And then the necessity to work as a bartender kind of floated away. And that was really my involvement in the restaurant industry. But there is certainly... A restaurant subculture. And it's a subculture filled with really two differing groups of folks, a real dichotomy, if you will. Because at our restaurant, it's filled with really a layer of management, assistant managers, maybe a district manager, a store manager, a front of house manager, a back of house manager. And then there's The people who really, for the most part, are either full-time employees who don't really know if they're making restaurant life a career, several who are full-time employees who have decided that, yes, I've worked in restaurants most of my life, so this is my career, and then others who are just working to earn some money. And I guess I fall in that last category. I'm working just to earn some money. So people say, well, you know what, Matthew, you love beer. So this should be like the perfect job. And that part of it is a perfect job. And aside from not being able to just sit around and drink beer, I mean, I get to taste beers every once in a while. If we get a new beer, I need to taste it to give customers the necessary info and my particular impressions of that beverage. Uh, But for the most part, in that subsector of my job, I get to talk beer with people. So yes, that part is great. But what they really didn't tell me during the interview, when they handed me this title of tapologist, is that tapologists also 
clean off tables, and tapologists also take dishes and glasses back to the kitchen repeatedly over and over throughout an evening. That tapologists bring out tons and tons of glassware and restock them and take empties from people. And that tapologists do a lot of sweeping. And that tapologists do a lot of mopping. And tapologists do a lot of grunt work. Tapologists check people in on the POS system and tapologists check people out, people who are ready to leave. And if I had to divvy it up as far as a percentage, I would say about 20% of my job is probably talking beer with people, making suggestions, uh, sharing my experiences with various breweries, uh, commenting on the brewing industry in Ohio, which is growing exponentially. By the end of 2020, this state is on tap to have 400 breweries. But then there's the other part of the job. It's the, it's the grunt work of the job. It's the kind of work that most people complain about, including myself. And after a really a long day of working here in the studio, trying to write and record and do some other tedious tasks that I won't bore you with, to know that I'm then going to have to dress in my uniform, which consists of black shoes, black jeans, a black shirt, and then a black overgarment that I have to wear while I'm there that I'm going to be really going nonstop from the time I check in to the time I check out. In fact, I wear a, a Garmin, sort of a Fitbit competitor. And on any one night, I can rack up about 17,000 steps because I'm walking when I'm not talking. I'm walking to tables. I'm quote-unquote touching tables. Asking customers how their food is. Asking them if I can get them anything. Water, napkins, extra box for carryout so that they can take their uneaten food home with them. Walking glasses and dishes and forks and gunk back to the dishwasher and putting them in their appropriate bins. And there's just a lot of back and forth. There's not a lot of standing around. It's not like I'm a security guard who's sitting at a desk in the lobby of a building that's closed after five and my job is to stare at monitors and make sure that nobody does anything to the outside of the building. It's not that kind of a job at all. So they didn't tell me that part. <laughs> They said it would be busy, and it is. When you've been to restaurants on Friday and Saturday nights, it's busy. Our wait times in the winter, on the average, have been an hour and 15 minutes. And then we have an outdoor patio that obviously isn't open in the winter, but I'm told when it is open, and the garage doors open, and people flood out onto the patio, those wait times can be an hour more than that when the weather's nice. And I have to admit that there are times in this part-time job 
then I'm not feeling very good when I'm driving to work. I feel like someone who is a part of the two, three, and sometimes four-job subset of our culture. I'm driving in a car that has close to 157,000 miles on it. My car has an engine light that is consistently on all the time. I don't know why it has something to do with some sensor in the exhaust system, but it's on all the time. The tires are not great. The brakes need redone. When it's winter, I'm worried that my car is going to make it because the location of this restaurant is without traffic a good 20 to 25 minutes from where I live. But I want to make sure Donna has the good car, the 2011, if you can call that a good car, but that she, if there's an emergency that she has the good car. And after a day of work that's been maybe particularly long, that started particularly early, it's really the last place I want to be. I'm thinking about those people lined up, waiting to get in. I'm thinking about those people who have absolutely zero regard for anybody cleaning up their eating space. They don't care if they're dumping Parmesan cheese all over the floor. They don't care if they poured this sauce into that sauce and that I have to touch all of that stuff with their saliva and germs on it to take it back to the kitchen, hopefully wash my hands on my way back out onto the floor to do it all over again when an eight top is just left or a 10 top is just checked out. So there are times when I'm pulling into the parking lot and I'm sitting in my car and I'm staring at this restaurant and I'm staring down at my phone and the time says 4.52 and I have to start at 5 o'clock. And I take several deep breaths and I just say to myself, I am going to go onward through the fog. I'm reminded of that slug line, the motto of an old record store that at that time during my formative teenage years had a lot of my money when I bought albums and other paraphernalia (laughs) from a record store slash head shop. And their slug line was onward through the fog. And that's the way I feel sometimes. Because it's a job that I really don't want to do. And while I enjoy talking beer, my wife is home by herself. I can't check the phone to make sure that she's okay. I can't check it constantly. I have to sneak into the bathroom to look at my phone. Because we're not supposed to look at our phones. And this particular restaurant has a lot of cameras inside. And I know that these various layers of management watch people who are working. So I want to make sure that I'm making a good impression, that I'm not just standing around staring at my phone. So I make a beeline into the bathroom after telling someone I'm going to go use the restroom, I'll be right back. And then I go in and I check my phone to make sure she doesn't have a problem or an issue. 
hoping that I don't have to excuse myself if something dramatic comes up. So I worry about these things. There's a lot of stress. But when I'm sitting there in the car, waiting to go in, knowing that on Friday night, while most people who are working a full-time job are looking forward to the weekend, who have already started their weekend, in fact, the restaurant's already full of those people, those people who have worked their work week and they're looking to relax. They're already two beers into their weekend, waiting for their pizza to arrive. And I think to myself, I'm trying to be grateful for this job. I'm trying to be grateful for what it's trying to supply for us at this point in time. Thankful, really, that it's not job number two of three jobs. Because some people in that restaurant may have three jobs. That may, that may be job three that they have to endure. I'm thankful that really, for my hourly wage, I get paid pretty well compared to some other people. So I'm grateful for that. So I try to put on a game face that shows gratitude and that shows a pleasant aura because it's tough. I can't speak for all restaurants, but what I can say is that most of the people who work there simply don't want to be there. They simply want to be somewhere else. They just want their shift to end. They just want to get the hell out. Hey, how are you tonight? I'm here. Hey, how's it going? Well, be better in about two hours. So, how's your Saturday working out for you? Well, I'd be okay if I didn't have to close tonight. Who knows when the hell I'm going to get out of here. It's almost like the whole journey in this building is to get to the end of the day. And I know that feeling because on Monday nights, I close. Closing is tough. Closing takes time. We close at 11, but we don't close at 11. If people are still there enjoying their craft beer, we have to let them drink their craft beer. Meanwhile, when my front-of-house person who's running the register and primarily checking in people for food orders and checking them out, when she leaves at 9 o'clock, I'm by myself from 9 to 11 or, when, or whenever. I'm talking beer. I'm taking dishes off of tables. I'm sweeping under those tables. I'm checking people out as much as I know about the food menu and as much as I know about checking people out. I'm taking stuff back to the kitchen. But more, most importantly, I'm preparing to leave. I'm doing everything I could possibly do so that if there isn't anybody drinking at 11 o'clock and my manager shuts that door, I am ready to clean those taps. I'm ready to dump all the gunk inside those trays. And I'm ready to get my mop bucket, roll up those carpets, 
mop that floor, get in my 157,000-mile car with the bad tires and the engine light on, and I'm ready to get the hell out. Just like them. Last week, we had a snowstorm come in. And it was Sunday night, and I worked till 9 o'clock. And one of the girls who works with me had to close, and she just had a newborn. And she said, boy, I wish you would close for me tonight. And I said, well, maybe if you'd asked earlier, I probably would have done it. I'm closing tomorrow night. And I didn't make preparations to stay late on Sunday. And she said, no, that's fine. I, you know, that's, that's, that's all good. And she goes, I'm worried about driving home because the weather's bad outside. And I was getting ready to leave. And I said, I'll tell you what, give me your number and I'll text you a road report. And she goes, oh, that's, that would be great. So I was driving on the freeway. I couldn't really see all that well. It was bad. And I really was going onward through the fog. Because I have no idea how long I'm going to work this job. I have no idea how long I can work this job. And about halfway home, the snow eased up. And the roads were just really wet. And I gazed down at my engine light on, which now matched the gas gauge light that had just come on. And for some reason, I just felt really grateful that I was given this chance to put a dent into this loan and to put a dent on the other car payment and to have a few spare bucks to try to prop things up that weren't being propped up by the lack of business in the studio and that I could really pull into the gas station on the way home and get gas. And I pulled into the driveway, the non-icy driveway, very grateful that the weather hadn't compounded things. And I sent Kennedy, the girl who was at the counter in the front, worried about her drive home. I sent her a text and I said, the roads are mainly wet. I think you're good. And she texts back, Perfect. Thank you so much. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And really, I sat in the car for a long time, watching the snow hit the windshield and wondering how long I would do this, how long I could do this. Because it's exhausting some days trying to get a workout in, trying to get work in, making sure I can get through traffic to get to work at night, wondering how long I'm going to be there, wondering how Donna's doing while I'm not there. And amidst all that, I was just really grateful that until I decide to get another job or go for another job or decide not to work a second job or things pick up on the first job so I don't have to work a second job, I was still grateful that I was able to go onward through the fog 
and was able to at least see a couple of things clearly that night. So I get it. I do. I understand. Doing what you have to do. And sometimes having to get through the fog to do it. I appreciate you checking in for this edition of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. <laughs>